This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Gregory Hall, Greg Barnes, and Ross Martin for our weekly On the Beat podcast. Guys, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Greg, I will go ahead and turn it over to you. You know, post-UVA, this is obviously still an important game for UNC. Their hopes for the Coastal Division have taken a hit. But when you're looking at their motivation for this one, do you think that the team is really ready to get back out there and kind of put that taste of the UVA game out of their mouths? Yeah, for sure. I think really, just listening to the coaches today, it really seemed like North Carolina did not play with the effort level uh, that maybe they would have liked to and that they have throughout the course of the season. And it hurt them on a couple plays, especially defensively. Uh, you know, one play in particular that Jay Bateman harped on was the, the long touchdown run by uh, Bryce Perkins, in which you know, on film you can see a, a couple of Tar Heels uh, not giving full effort. And as he said, you know, if you if you get a stop there and uh, don't allow Virginia to score, uh, then maybe you win that game, and and maybe we're having different conversations right now. Uh, did not happen, but that that speaks to the growth of this team. Uh, there's a long way to go, and we knew that coming into the season, and it's kind of played out, while differently than we expected, uh, I think at the end of the day in terms of this team needing to learn how to win again and what it took, uh, that has transpired exactly as, as we thought. Uh, and that, that's kind of the sense I got. And, you know, I, I really think I think everybody's kind of circled the Mercer game as a win, and that is not a good team even at their FCS level. Uh, so you you kind of bank one there. Do you really want to go into the game at NC State on Thanksgiving weekend needing to win that one to be ball eligible? I don't think anybody would want to do that, even though State clearly is in a down year uh, because rivalry games are just unique in that regard. So uh, not pressure, but I think the guys understand that this is a this is a big game, and if you win this one. Maybe you can close the season with some some positive momentum. Maybe you can reel off three in a row. Uh, you're still in the Coastal, even though uh, a lot of things have to work in your favor uh, for, for that to happen. But you you win this game, you kind of stay on track, uh, and maybe you can you can end the season. And if you get to seven wins, I mean, that's a huge success. I think a lot of us have picked them to finish six and six, so that's better than what most people projected. Um, but, but really, you can kind of sense that there were some missed opportunities uh, and guys that's not playing maybe the way that they should have or that they have all season long in that Virginia game. And uh, it ultimately uh, spelled defeat for them. Yeah, Ross, Mac Brown talked about how, you know, the team wants to win now. He says that they are preparing for next season, but that they're really focused on just trying to have as good a 2019 season as possible. 
what's your take on that mentality given all of the youth that UNC is playing on both sides of the ball? Yeah, yeah, John. I mean, I think you can definitely see by how much certain players are playing on defense that it's a win first, win now mentality. They're not trying to get freshmen. They're not trying to even get sophomores and guys are going to need next year as much playing time. You know, I was almost going to ask Mac and Coach Bateman about getting Jill, Jaleel Taylor and Ray Vohasek more time, knowing that Strobridge and Aaron Crawford are gone next year. But I, I just realized the answer would be that we want to win now and the best player is going to play. Now, if taking them out for a little bit to rest allows us to have a better chance to, to win, then that's the case. But, um, yeah, you're definitely seeing that. And kind of to jump on a little bit what Greg said in your previous question, you know, I think the wind kind of has been taken out of the sails a little bit because of how big the Virginia game was. And now you're not really playing for much other than a bowl. Um, you know, it, it, does, it, it just feels like that from covering the team and just kind of being in there today for the media session that – that was such a letdown that they could have won and now they'd be playing to, for the ACC Coastal Championship and have another shot at Clemson. So a lot of things were on the table and that's gone. But yeah, like Greg said, I mean, three wins would be huge, a great way to get momentum heading into the season, uh, beating Pitt, Mercer, NC State. Obviously, the state one is big for recruiting purposes. And uh, to get three games coming uh, and win seven games after what happened last two years would be huge for this team. Um, and they're going to do everything they can to win those games. And that's, I mean, back to your, your first question. I mean, they're going to play the best players and, and try to win at all costs to, to get those extra three wins. Yeah, Gregory, how, how did you think Mac Brown was in the press conference today? Like, was he a little bit more subdued given that UNC did lose against Virginia? Or was he pretty much the same as what you guys have been noticing all season long? I mean, he was very similar to what he was after the last open week. Uh, I mean, where he looked relaxed, kind of just ready to get back into the swing of things. I mean, he hasn't talked to us since the end of the Virginia game. So he's just, like I said, uh, for the last press conference, he was, he was pretty angry. But for this one, he was, he was just, I guess, I don't want to say happy to talk to us, but he was, he was more subdued and just getting ready for the, uh, for the game against Pitt on Thursday. Um, and, to Ross's point about playing guys like Jaleel Taylor and Ray Vahasek is Matt kind of alluded to that on uh, a Mac Brown live tonight about how there's three games left and they've been keeping track of guys who haven't played in red shirts. And he said, they're going to try and get guys in, but they've been trying to get guys in all season. Um, and he all, he said the ACC outside of Clemson was, similar to the NFL in that everybody's about the same caliber. So games are close. So to that point, it doesn't really sound like those guys are going to be getting in because like Ross said, they're going to play their best players who can win. And does that mean Aaron Crawford's going to play 90 plus snaps? I mean, Mac and Jay Bateman don't want Aaron Crawford to play 90 plus snaps, but I mean, if they need to do that to, to beat Pitt or to beat state, then they're going to do that. I think the only game you can probably get guys in is Mercer. Um, but you're also going to play seniors because it's their senior day. So, yeah, so Ross is right about there's not, they're really probably not going to get those guys in there. So, 
All right, Greg, let's go ahead and start talking about the pit game itself. Coach Brown mentioned that Sam Howell is going to have opportunities to really throw the ball deep as long as the offensive line can give him protection. So that sounds to me that that's something that the coaching staff has identified as a potential weakness here. When you're looking, though, at how UNC and Pitt match up, how do you think the offense can perform against the Panthers' defense? Well, you Pat Narduzzi kind of has his unique defense that's been very successful. And I think one of the things that when, when he came to Pitt from Michigan State, you know, that those Michigan State defenses were just stout. And um, you know, one of the things that coaches have done these days, you know, when you've got spread offenses that kind of want to stretch you and, and try to make you pick pick your poison, a lot of these traditional football coaches on the defensive side have said, you know what? Uh, we're going to make you do the same thing. And Narduzzi is one of them. And the way that he had so much success at the big in the Big Ten is he basically guaranteed you're not going to have a lot of success running the ball. And the way he did that is he essentially put his uh, defensive backs on islands. Uh, quarters coverage, which is not man, but it's a lot of times it looks like man uh, just because it's kind of a cover for luck. And that's kind of what you're you're looking at. And uh, you know, we've seen North Carolina have some success against that approach. There's been a lot of home run balls over the years, and that's kind of what happens when you have those one-on-one situations. And I think everybody watching UNC this year says, hey, well, Sam Howell's had a lot of success. You're throwing deep. Uh, but to your point, you know, where Pitt is so good is that you, they're able to get after the, the passer. Um, and you know, two of their starting defensive linemen have been out for the season, and yet they're still very good up front. Uh, and they're able to, to generate a lot of pressure and, and get some hits. And one issue where Sam House had issues is uh, you not getting rid of the ball quick enough. And he kind of gets happy feet and moves around trying to make something happen and uh, gets gets sacked. And that's why UNC has so many sacks allowed this year. But you know, not all of that is on the offensive line. And I, I think that's really the key is the offensive line has not done a great job run blocking this year. Uh, the the running backs have done a good job, you know, gaining yards after contact, which makes the offensive line rushing attack look better. That's where they've really struggled. They've been okay in terms of pass pro, but they're going to have to be great because you the, the tackles for loss is really what adds up. And if if you get into an obvious passing down, you know, second long, third and long, Pittsburgh is really going to come after you. And uh, if the if the pass protection is not able to kind of do their job. That puts Sam Howe in some dangerous positions, and that's that's how turnovers happen. So uh, it, you would think that it kind of favors UNC if the pass pro holds up, uh, but if not, that could be problematic for the Tar Heels. All right, let's take a quick commercial break to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. UNC does have one final home football game remaining against Mercer, but they also have a full slate of home basketball games coming up. So if you're going to be in Chapel Hill for any of those events, make sure that you swing by Giant T-Shirt there on Franklin Street, where they have been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. They also have a huge selection of Tar Heel gear. They have not only stuff for the basketball and the football team, they have the soccer jerseys, they have field hockey, lacrosse, baseball, anything that you could possibly want for the Tar Heel fan in in your family, you can find it there. It's also about to be holiday season, so if you need any gift ideas, you can also shop at Giant T-Shirt for those. 
And if you can't make it into Chapel Hill, you can always go to giantt-shirt.com where you can have the same huge selection. And remember that if you are an Inside Carolina subscriber, you get 10% off of your orders. You can get that discount code from the Premium Basketball Message Board or the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. That's 10% off of your orders either there at Giant T-Shirt on Franklin Street or at giantt-shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, Ross, let's talk about the aspect of playing on Thursday night because, you know, I think it's interesting that Pittsburgh does not have a very big home crowd to begin with, and that's the same night that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be having a home game of, for themselves, but it's still Thursday night. I mean, that's still a big deal. It's going to be under the lights. It's going to be the nationally broadcast game. So how do you think UNC will will respond to being in the headlights like that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers are away, but yeah, they have a, ah. a, a game at the same time, which obviously draw a lot of Pittsburgh locals' eyes away from the Panthers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great chance to display your program. It seems like they may they may wear one of their new alternative jersey options. Mac had previously said that they wear one for home and one away, so it would be this game or the NC State game. And what better way to show them off than on national television on ESPN Thursday night at 8 o'clock. I think additionally, you know, you, sometimes I think under Fedora, this was usually a short week. You know, it was – compressed schedule game on Saturday and then game on Thursday. But luckily for UNC, they had the bye week and then a, another you know half week to prepare. So from that standpoint, it plays to, you know, it's not a big deal for UNC. Pitt also has um, a, a full week and a half to prepare as well. So that doesn't give any team an advantage and it allows them to recover, have some time and then go into the normal week. For those who don't know, UNC just moves the schedule up. So, um, like everything's a, a two days earlier than what they usually do in terms of um, but it's the same schedule, just two days earlier in terms of the actual days on the calendar. Um, and, you know, players have gotten healthy. You, you, we listened to the injury report today from SID Jeremy Sharp. And, you know, other than maybe Jace Reuter not being 100% and, of course, the players are out for the season, everyone's good to go. You expect Trey Morrison to play more. Miles Wolfork, both those guys didn't play as much against Virginia. It seems that Nick Polino is going to be more healthy and, and more in tune with what he needs to do um, on offensive line. So those guys who have been out for a, a big chunk of games in the middle have benefited from that in the bye week and are good to go. So, you know, UNC is entering this, this, these last three games pretty much at full strength, and, and that would, of course, bode well for the Tar Heels. Yeah, Gregory, let's touch on the injuries there, because like Ross said, UNC keeps on getting some good news in that regard. You know, I think having Javante Williams to be a a full go and expected to play on Thursday is absolutely just huge. How big of a deal do you think, though, it is that UNC will be able to rely on those guys here during their final three game stretch of the season? I think it's I think it's crucial. Um, The running backs have been the the best position group all season. Um, I mean, Javante Williams is every time he runs with the ball, you just, you just expect him that when he gets hit, you just expect him to get four or five more yards. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that kid run and just like, man, like you can't take him down. And with Nick Polino back in the mix, I think that makes him and Michael Carter even better. And Longo and um, Mac Brown today talked about Polino. He, he won't start on Saturday, but I mean, he's, he said he's basically full go and he'll rotate in the uh in the lineup there and he's working with the two deep in practice and 
I mean, Brian Anderson will, will get that start, but they'll definitely see a lot of Polino. And that just makes that offensive line deep and adds an extra man. They've been working with about six guys, and now they can work with seven. Um, and Polino being out has forced Brian Anderson to get better every week. Um, and I think he has to some regard. And now he can kind of just play his heart out the snaps he's in there. And then Nick Polino will come in and they can alternate. And um, going into Pittsburgh, which, I mean, they're a top five rushing defense in the country. I think they only allow like 10.6 yards per carry, which is fifth in the country. So, I mean, Max said tonight that they're going to run the ball. And if they want to be successful, they're going to have to get four yards, elite, like four yards of carry. And they're not going to see that many 15, 20-yard runs that we've seen out of Carter and Javante. Yeah, to, to add on here, Gregory, um, with the injuries, there's always kind of a, a double-edged sword here, or I don't know if that's the right idiom to use there, but there have been a lot of players who've got valuable experience. Brian Anderson now is going is at a, almost a full season at center, so he's going to be your starting guy next year, but will be pushed by Ty Murray. But at least you have Brian Anderson, who's going to be a, a guy you can count on at center, whether he's a backup or the starting guy moving forward. Storm Duck, um, among other young corners have gotten real valuable time they probably wouldn't have had if it wasn't for these injuries you never want to see the injuries happen but looking ahead to next season when the guys who have stepped in and stepped up are going to be so far ahead now they've played and started a lot of valuable time so that is uh that's the benefit of, of having injuries during the games and during the season um, so that's what you can build on and another note uh to, to bring up from the press conference a couple players and Mac Brown made a made a point to bring up Marcus McKeithen. We haven't talked about him much, but he's had a great season. There've really been no issues with him on his side of the offensive line. He's a young, a big offensive uh, guard who has been the most consistent, has been healthy the whole time, and he's only going to get better. And he's a massive guy, so as he becomes more comfortable and maybe gets quicker and stronger, I mean that's a that's a big presence UNC has in there uh, at guard for the next two years. Yeah, I think we should have this discussion since we've got the four of us here. Ross, you mentioned the injuries providing some experience for some of the younger guys moving ahead, which kind of flies in the face of what Max said today in terms of the reason he's not playing younger guys along the defensive line, for example, because he wants to win now. I'm curious as to everybody's take on that. You Would you have liked to have seen North Carolina played a lot more guys this year? in an effort to make next year the breakout year? Or do you agree with maybe hamstringing the trajectory of some younger players at the expense of uh, you know, trying to trying to win as many games as possible this year? I do think they should have played more players, but I don't necessarily think it should have been to make next year the breakout year. I mean, I mean, Mac has said from the beginning that he wanted to win now, but I don't think you had to do that with just the veterans. I mean, when we were sitting there watching the Clemson game, they were bringing in Jalil Taylor, um, Zach Gill, uh, Tamari Fox, Ray Vahasek on first, second down, and then on third down, the money down, as uh, Georgia Tech would call it, they would bring in – uh, Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge, and it seemed to be working. And I don't really know where the the change happened, where the confidence kind of left from those backup D linemen. 
but I think it's kind of hurt them in the long run because I mean, as Max said today, or I feel longer, I can't remember which one. I mean, Aaron Pro- Crawford's a big dude and you play that many steps. I don't care how great conditioning you are. It's going to take a toll. And I think it might've hurt them in the long run. than if have like, basically what I'm saying is they could have played more guys and one now, in my opinion. <laughs> the best of both worlds. I, I think, yeah, I think they had to win this year to get, and the games are so close. And that's where the kind of changes. Like usually you have a couple games where either you're down by a lot or up by a lot and you can get some freshmen or some sophomores, some extra playing time. That hasn't been the case. And Mercer, you would kind of hope that they can get some young guys, some experience. But I mean, I think next year, when you look at what they're losing on defense, it's going to be, I think next year is not, it might be similar to this year. And I think 2021 is going to be the big step for this football program because they're losing some studs on, on defense. Strobridge and Crawford are going to be super tough to replace. I mean, who knows if Chad Surratt goes pro. Uh, I, I'm hearing some rumblings of that. Miles Dorn. I mean, there's going to be some key pieces on defense. So it's going to be, a, I think, a tough sledding on, on that side of the ball, at least for the first couple games. And that's where you kind of think about, yeah, it would have been great if you could get some guys, at least build some depth. But they're bringing in the horses in this recruiting class, so maybe they can get some some uh, some reps from the true freshman next year in that uh, stacked defensive line recruiting class. But uh, they kind of had to play the best guys to win this year. That's just kind of how the games were set up. Yeah, you brought up recruiting, Ross, and that's where I was going to go with my answers. I think winning now is key because UNC won a grand total of three games over the prior two seasons. And Mac Brown and his staff, they're obviously selling that UNC is a program on the rise. And if you are not actually winning, if all recruits are seeing is the same old, same old, i.e. UNC is only going to win maybe four games this season, you're just not going to land these high-profile stud recruits. So I do think that winning now is key. And I actually think that, you know, for 2021, even though the depth chart projects to lose a lot of talent with the guys that Mac is bringing in, I think that there are going to be bodies there able to more than make up for whatever they could be losing. So that's my answer to the question. Let's go ahead, though, and take one more commercial break. And when we get back, let's go ahead and wrap up the discussion about Pitt. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a dude average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Gregory Hall, Greg Barnes, and Ross Martin. All right, Greg, I wanted to go back to you. Thanks for that question, by the way. That was a really good one. Um, you play to win the game. That's what I wanted to add. You play to win the game. There you, you go. Do it with more people, though. Great. See, look, I can, I can take this another step, and I could bring in the NCAA likeness aspect into this, since that's a discussion point. Because when they used to have the NCAA football uh, PlayStation game, and you'd have to sign a recruiting class. If you you tear some like you know, podunk school that sucked, but you wanted to you kind of build them up to be a national champion, you could recruit really well, and it would take a couple of years for those guys to you know, get better with experience. And so you would just simulate a year, and you would put all those guys in as starters, even though they're true freshmen, and just sit all the juniors and seniors. And then within like two or three years, you had this great team. But 
taking that into account, you're just basically telling the upperclassmen to take a hike, and uh, that is morally and ethically wrong. So I think it's a uh, it's a challenging discussion, uh, but I, I, I do think best case scenario, like Gregory said, you you try to get more of the young guys opportunities, but you do have to lean on the, the upper upperclassmen for sure. Isn't the like, Dave Clawson model that, I mean, I'm hearing, right, Dave, right. I'm hearing Dave Clawson's name a lot for some of these openings in you know, Arkansas, uh, Florida state, but his whole philosophy was he registered everybody his first year and second year. And so by the time those guys were fifth year seniors, he had a stacked collection of, of 22 and 23 year olds. And that's kind of what they're experiencing now. I believe is tons of veterans uh, who have been kind of groomed for years and they, they took their lumps early during his regime and now it's paying off. Yeah, and if you look at everywhere that he's been, basically the first two years they have not been any good for that reason. Yeah, red shirts. But you get to third and fourth year and now all of a sudden he's coached them up, they understand what he wants them to do, and they're good. So the question for him is, not to get off on a tangent, but if one of these big schools comes calling – Who's willing to say, you know what? We're going to let him do his do things his way. We're going to sacrifice two years in this win now era that we're in. Who's going to have the guts to do that? And I think that that is fascinating to watch. I, I think Clawson's one of the, the best coaches in the ACC, but you have to be willing to give him time to do his do his uh, method. Is that what Mac did? One and ten, one and ten. Did he redshirt? Like, did he sit? Like, I I was I'm going to show my age. I was not alive. <laughs> no, it was not not to that extent. Uh, he came in, and granted, they had a lot more scholarships available back then, so he was able to run off guys and bring in more guys, uh, and they went through lumps. But it was not because he was he was he was sitting necessarily the upperclassman. He was just trying to bring guys along and play the best guys that he had. So my takeaway from all this is that you should run a football team in real life the same way that you do in a video game. That's my one takeaway. I mean, that's what Lamar Jackson does. So that's right. He is a video game. All right, let's go ahead, though, Greg. I wanted to get your thoughts since you're our stats guy. We've talked about the offense going up against Pitt, but let's talk about UNC's defense. What do you think they must do in order to slow down the Pittsburgh offense? Because fortunately, they will not be going against a quarterback that's known as a dual threat. So again, what do you think Jay Bateman will have in store for the Panthers on Thursday? Well, I think this is one of those games where for North Carolina uh, to win, the defense has to win it. And the defense has had a handful of good games, but they've had a lot of games where uh, I really haven't been impressed. And uh, I think this is one of the games that for Carolina to win, that's got to happen. I think the offense is going to have really tough sledding. I think if they can hit a couple of big plays, that'll open things up. But that Pitt defense is legit. Um, and so when you when you look at what Pitt does offensively, uh, you know, they, they look good at times against Penn State. Uh, but they've really kind of played down in a competition. And, and Kenny Pickett had had some good games, and he's just really been inconsistent of late. Um, you know, he was promising at the end of last year, and you figured with, with Whipple coming in as offensive coordinator, he's, he's got a good track record and has been a good coach. Uh, but really losing all the running backs they did and losing that, that running game that Narduzzi really likes, uh, it's kind of hurt that offense. And so they just have not been very consistent. Uh, and they've struggled to score points at times. And so I really think uh, the defense has to, to be aggressive. And you, you know, people <laughs> may cringe when I say this, uh, but you, you want to make them uh, slowly work their way down the field. 
because this team is not talented enough offensively to do that consistently and score a lot of points. People say, well, look at Virginia. Virginia did that perfectly. Yes, uh, Bryce Perkins had an incredible game in North Carolina. Uh, he really picked on those those cornerbacks. I don't no, think no. Pickett's at that <laughs> level. So, Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Is Kenny Pickett more of a uh, – is he dual threat? Or, I mean, I've heard his name a lot, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't watched much Pitt. Uh, no, I wouldn't say he, – no, he's certainly not dual threat in the terms, you know, like Quentin Harris or Bryce Perkins. He can okay. scramble, he can run, but he's, he's much more of a, a passing quarterback. I'll say this about the game. UVA uh, – sorry, I'll, I'm, way, I'm way behind here. Pittsburgh's defense, yes, it is one of the best in the country, but what they're not great at is takeaways. Um, they have the second fewest takeaways in the ACC with 11. Um, it's, I mean, last place is state with five, so it's not like it's like close or anything like that. But And then like their turnover margin is minus five. So if UNC can find a way to get takeaways and not cough the ball up, I mean, that's that's going to be a recipe for success. I mean, it's always a recipe for success, but I just really don't see them putting up um, 31 points like they did against UVA's defense. I mean, like Max said today, that was kind of a fluke thing where everyone was expecting, including all of us, were expecting a defensive game, and it didn't turn out to be a defensive game, and this could happen. This could It could happen again on Thursday. I mean, the weather's going to be much colder. It's going to be different. Uh, that is a good point. UVA did have six DBs out. Good point, Greg. Thank you for that. <laughs> but still, I'm just saying that's going to be the way to beat Pitt is to tur- get turnovers, not turn it over because you're not going to run up and down the field on Pitt. That, like, no, I just don't see that happening. I just don't know how to predict this game because UNC has beaten Pitt when they had no business winning the game. But then this season, Carolina has played very up and down. So, Ross, you get the, the final word on, on this podcast here. What do you think Thursday night will eventually hinge on? What do you think it all comes down to if UNC is going to try to get the win? I think we've we've seen what this offense does. I mean, Sam Howe throws for a couple touchdowns, and, and Javante Williams runs the ball. I mean, it's been pretty consistent can't remember the last game when those two guys struggled a lot. I mean, recent, and especially recently, Sam Howell's been pretty money. So you kind of know what the offense is going to bring in. And I think what Greg said, the defense is going to have to step up and make some plays. I don't think Pitt is some world beater. I think it's going to be a close game, fourth quarter like they've been. There's no reason to think that it's going to be any different than what we've seen in the last uh, seven or eight games. So um, come down to the last possession or two, and it's just, it just depends on who can make some plays late. And I think the defense can play like it did against Duke then UNC will win. If the defense has some holes in it like they did against Virginia, then uh, Pittsburgh can win. I think it's a 4.5 spread. I was a little surprised with that. It makes sense that Pitt's favored, but I would think it'd be more like two or three. Um, but it's going to be a close game, and weather's, weather could be a factor. Uh, but UNC's run game has been good, and the pass game has been good. It, it, I think it's going to come down to defensive plays. You've got to think that Bateman has, has made some adjustments and is going to use the extra time and is going to put out a little bit better product than what we saw against the Cavaliers a week ago. All right, good stuff, guys. We'll go ahead and wrap it up with that. Thanks a lot for talking with me, and we'll speak again next week. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. See ya. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.